Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Big Ideas Show. Today, we're going to be talking about art and work with Doug Shaw. Doug, how are you? Hi, John. Um, I was going to say good afternoon, but where you are, it's good morning. It's good whatever it is. It's a good day, and um, yeah, I'm very well, thanks. It's lovely to be here. So you've been on the show before, but I imagine there are one or two people who haven't heard of you. Would you take a moment and introduce yourself? Sure. My name's Doug, Doug Shaw, and I'm a, I'm a visual artist, and I, alongside that, I have a deep interest in people and in um, organizational development. Um, that's me in a, in a sentence, if you like. I think it's important to note that I used to believe I was an organizational development consultant with an interest in art, but I was wrong, as it turns out, as I am often. And what I realize is that since I got my priorities straight and realized that actually it, it is my interest in art that drives my interest in organizational development, it's become much more simpler for me to engage you know, with, with people who are perhaps similarly curious as myself. So that that's a, a shift in the way I'm approaching my work, and, and, and it's proving to be a very interesting one. That's fascinating. You must chase away a lot of people by saying you're an artist with an interest in OD rather than uh, an OD with an interest in art. That's good uh, niche identification in marketing. I think so. What I've noticed is that, that previously I would be having really interesting conversations with people about organizational development and our shared interest in the development and practice of it. And then I'd get to the point where I would want to express my desire to use the arts as a, as a sort of lens for inquiry into organizational development. And you could see <laughs> at that point, you know, sort of light, lights going off, as it were. And I realized that actually, yeah, I owe it to myself and to the people I'm talking with to generate a sense of um, mutual interest and potential benefit sooner rather than later. So you're quite correct. It is about niche identification to some extent. It's about getting to know as in N-O, quickly. You know, I'm 51 years old now. I, I'm, um, I, got, I, I want to get a move on and get, get stuff done. So um, for me, there's, there's no point in having a conversation about the wonderful world of OD if the idea of using the arts as a lens through which to explore it is, a, is of no interest in itself, first and foremost. So help me understand what that means. Using the arts as a lens through which to explore OD has a lovely ring to it, but I, I'm having a little trouble visualizing what that means. Okay, so I think one of the things that draws me to to the arts, and, and whilst I am a visual artist, I I explore and apply artistic practice on many levels. So it might be through using visual uh, mediums. It could be through verse. It could be through storytelling. It could be photography. There, 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 are, there are a number of ways in which we can, artistic ways in, in which we can look at our work. I think the thing that, one of the things that for me is, is very interesting is that art is a, a subjective place to play. And although businesses have a craving for certainty, there is very little certainty around, and, and I think that we actually spend too much time sort of focused on this certainty epidemic, if you like, and, and worrying about things over which we have uh, little or no control. And what that often leads to in a business environment is that we consider ourselves or we, we desire to be creative and innovative, yet we behave in such a risk-averse way that, that the projects that we do um, are so tightly constrained that they, they end up delivering um, fairly boring, uh, unadventurous results. They may be deemed sort of safe in inverted commas, but they're, they're not necessarily particularly interesting and or exciting. And of course, not everybody wants or needs interesting and or exciting. But when you start to think about 
work as a subjective uh, place to play, if you like, and you start to think about why you might appreciate a piece of art and why I might not like it, we can at least have a conversation about what the differences are and then from there start to think about how we might approach work with perhaps similar intent but also differences in practice and start to start to have the conversation about how we apply that different thinking and different doing um, to our work. So for me, in a nutshell, it's about, um, it's about finding a place to begin a conversation that is open to subjective interpretation because I think we need a lot more of that in our work today. So, so are you talking about learning to see work as art or are you talking about something other than that? Well, I think that's a perfectly good place to start. I mean, I, I, I would uh, uphold that your work, our work, is, a, is an art form. Um, and I think that there, uh, there is art even in something like a you know, beautifully, perfectly balanced balance sheet. So I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss the idea of being uh, analytical and uh, correct and exact. But I think that the, the, the challenge that we face is that too often we see everything as needing to have sort of certain uh, certain outcomes, if you like, even though we know that in life that is um, that is uh, not not possible. So I think if people can begin to see their work as an art form, then I think that's a really useful thing. Um, I hasten to add that not everybody uh, needs to feel this way. Um, as I as I mentioned to you before, you know, I think in, in positioning myself as an artist with an interest in organizational development, I tend to find myself having much more useful conversations with similarly curious people than I did before. So I'm not trying to say that this is the answer, but it is definitely a way of approaching work that I think prepares us better for, a, for a, what is an inherently uncertain world. So, so if I wanted to engage you to do some of this, how would I do that and, and what would the experience look like? Well, it depends. Um, I suppose to some extent it might be useful if I perhaps briefly um, cite a couple of examples of where I've ended up working with people um, deploying some of this thinking and some of these resources, um, and maybe we can take it from there. That'd be perfect. Okay, well, uh, I forget exactly when it was now, but a a little while back I I did some really interesting work with the Latvian government who are um, the La- Latvia is a member of the European Union, and the European Union presidency is a is a sort of rotating uh, function, if you like, that each EU member takes on for a period of six months. And the Latvian government were keen to explore how they could use initially keen to explore how they could use um, social media and other sort of technology platforms as way of as ways of engaging um, with with their audience better through that time. Um, so they initially they employed me, I suppose, as some sort of social media consultant. But actually, very quickly, what we realized was that a lot of what they were trying to achieve was about creating a, a sense of experience of Latvia as a country, and perhaps in particular Riga as the, as the capital, because that's where a lot of the activity was taking place. And so we began to explore the, um, the capital itself as a group of people by actually going out into it and photographing it and drawing it and starting to think about 
what this place meant to us as a group of communication experts and how we might convey a sense of, uh, of feeling and connection and emotion about it. And so through the work, we ended up with um, we ended up with a number of outputs. But the one I think that for me that was one of the most interesting was a, a simple set of uh, icons, if you like, that the that the um, that the EU presidency could use to um, link the work that they were doing with the values and the kind of desired outcomes for the work. So, for example, we were we were using um, their the designs that the team created through photography and drawings around what it meant to be sustainable, what it meant to, to have a sense of community, what it meant to be um, a sort of leading edge technology um, provider, if you like, because I mean, Latvia has got one of the uh, fastest and best deployed um, wireless internets in, in, in Europe, certainly. Um, so yeah, we ended up with say, a simple set of icons and diagrams that the, that they could use to convey their message to a wider audience much more simply and much more effectively than through using great long um, sentences and, and piles of words, accepting that words are an art form too. So that, that I guess, is a, is a way of using art to bring your work to life in a, in a visual context, which worked very well for them. I mean, I suppose I would say that, wouldn't I? But it was, um, it was a really enjoyable experience. And in fact, I was contacted by one of the members of the team literally just a couple of weeks ago, out of the blue. She just re, uh, you know, sent me a, an invitation request on LinkedIn and I responded. And um, she just kind of wanted, she wanted to stay in touch and she just had the very, um, the kindness to let me know that um, the work we did together was one of the most memorable experiences that certainly she's had in a work context. And I'm, Delighted to hear that, of course, but but I put that down to the fact that um, I think that one of the things that we gain from seeing our work as an art form is that it, it begins to have more meaning for us and the people around us. That's interesting. So so I would take away from that example that an engagement with you results in art. Is that is is that a good way to think about it? I think so. Um, when I first started offering art as a, as a way of starting the conversation, if you like. I would use um, art made by well-known artists, which has its advantages in that there's a degree of familiarity about it. But I began to realize that actually, yeah, making is a really important part of the um, creative process. In fact, there's a really good book. It uh, hasn't been out that long. He just reaches for his copy here to make sure I get the title right. But it's called The Dance of the Possible. And it's by uh, one of my favorite authors, a guy called Scott Birkin. And he very much talks in this book about creativity as an applied practice. And so I think one of the things that for me is really interesting is provided people are willing to give it a go. And again, th that's important. Uh, my work is not my work is co-creational and is invitational. It's not coercive. I, I don't turn up and tell people what to do. I help create an environment where people feel confident to try something different. And I think that's important but if, if people are willing um, and my experiences and many of them are then yes it's important that we we make stuff together the the art of making or the act of making i think is something quite visceral and quite important and i think in a in an increasingly sort of technological digital era we're losing touch with what it means to actually pick up a tool and use it to craft something so yes it, it that i think that is 
that is becoming um, an increasingly important part of my work that we that we actually make. It's very interesting that you cite uh, Scott Burton. You know his history is that uh, his first book was a was a book on project management, how to get things done, and. And he has evolved as a thinker and practitioner over the following 15 years uh, to the point where he's directly aligned with what you're doing. He, he is a practitioner who thinks that his art form um, is a gateway to productivity. Uh, is, is, the, yeah. is that that part of what you're talking about, that art is a gateway to the, to the things that... that um, most uh, corporate organizations are interested in achieving? I think so. Um, and it's interesting that you cite his um, earlier works as being around and about project management um, because some of the tools that, uh, or some of the examples that I use and develop in my own work, I find are particularly useful for people in that space. So in a, in a space where people think it's it's all about sort of careful and meticulous planning and, and Gantt charts and all those kind of things, I think there are very relevant ways in which the art, the arts themselves and the application of creative, creative practice can, can be applied in order to make work um, more productive and more, more enjoyable. So I think there's, a, there's an interesting connection um, there. But yeah, I do think that um, this, this stuff has the potential to um, allow people to, to to play and practice in 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 more productive ways. I mean, this is perhaps slightly tangential, but I think one of the things I find really interesting about the work, uh, and I think I, it's important for me to stress that I am I'm not a, a therapist, but a lot of people will say to me that they find the work quite calming and quite therapeutic. And I think that if we if we consider how much of a push there is for wellness and well-being in and around the world of HR and organizational development, then I think that a series of tools and techniques that allow you to think differently about your work and how you might do it better through the through the practice and application of something which is deemed to be therapeutic and calming, I think that's a, that's an interesting pathway into productivity for sure. If we feel less stressed as a result of doing our work then I, I think by most people's measure that's got to be a that's got to be a good thing well, that, so, so this is fascinating what you're talking about is the idea that um, finding a way to come at your work from a different angle whether it's your work as an individual or your work as an entity um, um, opens doors to seeing how to do it in ways that you can't imagine if the basic impulse is to do more harder and faster. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, and I think one of the, one of the, um, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of veer too far off topic, but one of the things I found personally really interesting and something that was a real game changer for me was a side project that I began in April of last year, where I made a decision that I was going to start making and hiding art in our local environment for people to find. Um, and I, I did it because I figured it would be an interesting sort of side project. Um, I actually was motivated by the need. I wanted to be more productive in an artistic sense. And I thought, well, if I start to 
give myself a schedule, then you know I, I, I'm going to hold myself to account to that. Um, but I also wanted to get a greater sense of what it felt like to make and let go of things, because um, I think that the the idea of letting go is is a potentially very powerful thing and something that I don't think we're very good at um, when it comes to, to work. And so, you know, we, 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 we hold on to ideas and we hold on to ways of working that if we, if we were to find a way of being a bit more detached from them, we might say, Do you know, that, that's not particularly interesting or relevant or useful anymore. So I started this project and, and it's carried on and carried on. And, and I mean, frankly, I could talk to you, you know, for the, re- <laughs> the rest of the day about amazing and interesting stories that have emerged from that project, which on the surface of it, you might argue had little or nothing to do with my direct work. But actually what I learned from having a, a project that runs parallel to the main thrust of my work and is related in some way, it has an amazingly powerful effect if you just kind of start something, keep it fairly simple, but, but importantly for me, you keep turning up, you keep going. And, and the learning I get from that informs the learning through my organizational development and other work in ways in which I had no idea were possible when I, when I started. Because, of course, you know, that's life. Here we are back at that whole notion of accepting uncertainty and recognizing that actually it's something that we're best off just heading into rather than trying to mitigate against all the time. That's, that's, that's fascinating. So, so how do you pick? You, I think what you're saying is you can find new points from which to view what you're doing that illuminate what you're doing. How do you, how do you go about figuring out what to do? Oh, <laughs> I wish I knew. <laughs> um, well, I, I think in my case, you, 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 you just you try something different. So, so I think for me, one of the things that's important as a freelancer, as a, as a consultant, it's very easy to to go into an organisation and and hypothesise about how things come to pass. Um, and then, you know, disappear and, and, and not be willing to kind of put in the graft and sort of see the project through and all that kind of stuff. You know, I think there's a real interesting tension in the way that organizations engage with outsiders. I think it, it can be a really healthy relationship, but, but, but there, are, there are clear tensions. And I suppose to some extent, I wanted to do, for me, I wanted to do something that gave me an authentic related story to my own practice that shows that actually you know i do understand the importance of some of these basics i do understand the importance of getting going with something i do understand the importance of keeping it going i do understand the importance of accountability i think one of the things that for me is fascinating about the world of work is this whole notion of who is responsible for stuff um and i think one of the things that i'm learning all the time is that actually the more responsibility i can take for my own actions and even maybe actions that i don't even think are mine but might be related to something i do the better and so for me having projects you know starting something like that can be um to use your word a gateway into all kinds of different things i guess the reality is that let's supposing i'd started this free art project and it had just completely flopped I might be talking very differently now, but actually, in truth, I hope what would happen was I would have adapted it or I would have found another thing that I was interested in that was related to my work that I could have started. Um, I think 
in truth, I probably have done many projects that have failed and haven't got anywhere. Maybe it's taken me these 51 years that I mentioned to you that I've invested in on this planet to get to a point where actually I finally hit on the right thing. And I suppose therein lies a challenge. Most businesses don't want to wait 51 years to figure stuff out. So I accept there's some difficulty around that. One of the things that 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 catches my attention here is uh, most of the people that I talk to, the vast, vast majority of the people that I talk to are are in the middle of a relentless narrative about forward uninterrupted progress uh, mm-hmm. the, they call it scaling in Silicon Valley uh, the idea that the idea that that uh, we are moving forward in a muddle that is more like bouncing along the way to the end point rather than um, running in a very directed increasingly speedy way towards the end point that 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 perspective just doesn't get articulated very often. I'm finding this conversation extremely refreshing because it's so different from uh, what you normally hear in the context of people talking about their companies and their work. Yeah, well, it's hard. I mean, I, you know, I, I could I could um, I could have prepared for our time today and come on and told you a whole lot of stuff about how great everything is and and don't get me wrong there are plenty of things that i'm i'm doing and i'm involved in that are great but i think we we owe it to ourselves and each other to recognize that you know life's a struggle as well as being um great fun and and i don't know anyone for whom things go well and perfectly as planned all the time that those people i don't know i, I don't believe they exist <laughs> i think they're I hesitate to, be, to use too strong a language, but I think that I think the people who would kind of put forward that sort of view, I, I think they're being disingenuous, really. I, I just don't, I don't think they're being honest with themselves and with other people. And, and whilst my observation is that um, trying to be honest and trying to be compassionate about it at the same time is hard uh, and actually off-putting for some people because some people just don't want to hear it. Um, for me, it's important because I, I don't want to I don't want to be getting engaged in work that that is kind of doomed to failure at the beginning because we're coming at it from a perspective that's, that says that we're kidding each other, that, 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 yeah, we're going to have this wonderful ability to scale and innovate everything. If, if, and again, this is where for me, part of why the reason why art is interesting because it, it enables um, an inquiry into that acceptance of a degree of, of uncertainty, which say is always there. Big management consulting practices might not want to, acknowledge it but yeah we we all know it's there you know i I, the day before my dad died i didn't know my dad was going to die he didn't know either he was in he was fit and well he went to bed and he didn't wake up in the morning you know you we cope we find ways to cope with that kind of thing in our lives and integrate that kind of experience into our lives that i'm not saying that work is is often as stressful as that sort of experience but hey you know stress and uncertainty are all around us at work and I, i think for me I need to be honest about acknowledging that and, and helping if I'm going to help people embrace it authentically and effectively. What a, what a fantastic conversation. One of the questions that I asked you to think about is who are the people that who you like to read who are um, influential in the HR universe? Yeah. <laughs> 
I loved toying with this question. Um, and I recognize that actually perhaps my window into this question and this world is maybe narrower than, than some of your guests. So um, I apologize in advance if, if what I'm about to say feels a little bit myopic. Um, but but I, I, I wrestled with this question because I think that currently, for me at least, there's a, there's a quite painful lack of substance in the level of thinking and doing in, in HR. Um, and, and my exposure to this is often through the lens of conferences and other events. And I think that, frankly, the lineups on offer don't kind of change much and, and things seem stuck to me. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but I could reel off a list of names and I, you know, and I see things being talked about and excited about. And I think, oh, crumbs, not him again, because I'm afraid it often is a, a him. Um, so I think there's, a, there's, there's something going on there that, that is, is bothering me um, slightly. However, uh, and I think, again, risk aver- that, that promotes more risk aversion. That said, I am aware of folk, of course, who are willing to, to challenge, to think and do differently. So a couple of examples, a couple of people I, I, always, I always feel provoked by in a good way and challenged by, and I feel like I've learned from. A chap here in the UK by the name of Matt Buckland, who's the head of HR and talent at List, L-Y-S-T. They're an online fashion company. He's a very interesting thinker. And somebody that I know, we both know, a lady by the name of Laurie Ruterman, who I, I love how she writes openly about her experiences and what's going on. And I would love to see more people in HR being able to take on and, and adopt that kind of um, honesty, if you like. Um, two other people more on the sort of creative side. I've mentioned Scott Birkin already. Again, wonderful reader, uh, writer, sorry, with, with a lovely sense of humor. And another chap who may be less well-known to your uh, listeners is a, a chap based over here in the UK called Steve Chapman. Um, he's another one who, who writes, thinks, and does in the field of creative practice, which is something that I think that HR could do with a, a, a lot more of. So um, he may not be in HR, but I think he's incredibly useful to HR, Steve Chapman. Th- those are the people that are kind of stretching my brain, helping me stretch my brain at the moment. That's a, that's a great list. Thank you. Thank you. And Lori Ruderman is, is a category bender, isn't she? She, she <laughs> figures out how to make um, her personal experience a lens through which you can view other things. And that's, that's yeah. a remarkable, a remarkable, she's remarkable. Uh, yeah. chunk of work that she's doing. Quite so. And, and actually, I, I, per, on a personal level, I find it very moving, too. Yes, she's amazing. Uh, so yeah. if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what would they do? Well, if you live locally and you hang around the high street for long enough, you'll find me hiding, um, <laughs> you'll find me hiding paintings uh, every weekend. But if, you know, if that doesn't float your boat and you're perhaps a bit further afield, then there are two main uh, sort of online domains that, that I operate through. You can find me at consultingartist.com, which is where I've recently moved my kind of more organizational development stuff across to and, and I'm develop I'm continuing to play with and develop the theme over there. So that that's a, a, a work in progress. But consultingartist.com is an easy place to find me. The other place where I enjoy sharing my work is a uh, um is is the uh, artsensorium.com artsensorium.com which is all about considering the notice the notion of sensorium is 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 about considering something as a complete sort of human experience. So when I first began to paint for my own interest, I committed to sharing my work 
And if you go back to the beginning of the art sensorium, you'll find some quite naive product there. But my point was to articulate and explain the journey and show people that actually it's all right to show your unfinished, your naive work, because it's only through doing those hard yards, if you like, that you can ever hope to do anything better. So those are two places I would point people at initially, consultingartist.com and artsensorium.com. Fantastic. Would you take a moment and reintroduce yourself so that people will be able to bookend the conversation? By all means. I've now got to remember who I am, so a a short thing. I'm I'm Doug Shaw. (laughs) I'm a visual artist with a deep interest in people and organizational development. Thanks so much, Doug. It's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed having you here, and I appreciate the time that you've taken to be here with me. My pleasure also. Many thanks, John. Great to talk to you. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Big Ideas, and we've been talking with Doug Shaw, who is in the UK and pioneering the notion that art first is a useful lens through which to approach organizational development. Thanks again, Doug. It's been a great conversation. 